We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Hey there, welcome to Binge the Bucks, a special narrative podcast series focusing on the Milwaukee Bucks 2019 playoff run and part of the Eurostep podcast. I'm Ty Windish and I'm here with Rohan Kadi to break down Game 5 in the third series in the Bucks 2019 run, a 105-99 loss to the Toronto Raptors at home. This podcast is brought to you by BetOnline, Blue Chew, and Sadness, and the Eurostep is proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Rohan, how's it going? First, uh, outside of having to rewatch this game and prepare for this podcast, and second, factoring that in. Well, you know, I'm I'm hanging in there, you know, finding things to keep myself occupied and stuff. But I just need to say, I did not even realize that you said sadness. Like it did not click into my head. <laughs> like it did not click that you said it's brought to you by sadness, which is very apt for uh, getting ready for this podcast because this this was just. This was demolished, like demolishing. This was, and you know, the hot takey in me was like, this is when the series for sure ended. Um, maybe, I mean, that's technically no, obviously, I mean, they, they got to play another game and the Bucks didn't come out of the gates flat that time, but it sure does feel like, you know, as much as we called game three, the turning point game four, you know, a loss kind of indicative of what was to come. Losing the home court is a whole different story. I mean, you can lose all the momentum on the road. You can still come home and secure that home court. And then even if you lose game six, like the Bucks obviously would go on to do, you still get that game seven in Pfizer where the Bucks had been so, so good in the regular season and the playoffs. They, of course, do not get that. They blow a couple of leads in this game. They even have Gucci Mane on their side, which I completely forgot that was a thing, but it just was not enough. Yeah, I forgot Gucci sort of became like a Bucks fan during this series. Yeah, I haven't uh, heard much from Gucci about his Bucks fandom since then, but at the time it felt like at least we have a Drake. He just he just now. showed up to like one game in in a Giannis jersey just to like yeah. be like the Bucks version of Drake, like you said. The and only I, time I, was the Bucks weird. ever adjusted to anything Toronto did at any point was inadvertently when Gucci Man showed up and countered Drake. That was the best adjustment they made mm-hmm. the whole postseason. Yeah, well, it it it's up there for sure. They did, <laughs> as we'll get into on this yes, episode, yes. there is one big adjustment off the bat, and that is that Malcolm Brogdon was in the starting lineup instead of our old friend Nikola Mirotic, who we love so much. Oh, yeah. Um, this the, this part, that part was good. 
Um, the less good part is that Nico still plays in this game, and, and we'll get to it, but potentially a, a very short amount of minutes that could have maybe cost the Bucks the game in, in some ways. We'll get there. We'll discuss when we get there. Before we get into this first quarter, uh, is there anything else that, that we should go over to, to set the stage for our listeners? I mean, just like my main two points were that you cannot, like, if you're the Bucks in this game, you cannot drop this game if because you had already mm-hmm. lost two on the road and you have to defend your home court. Otherwise, you have to go on the road in an elimination game, which we know what happens to that in that situation. So if you're the Bucks, you have to come out wanting to win this game and like needing to win this game, like desperation mode, which they do, which we'll get into. And then again, Brogdon finally in the starting lineup instead of Nico. I think I think Bud started to realize, hey, maybe this isn't the best idea. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Maybe he didn't because he still played uh, a little bit. Does does have a relatively quick pull, but probably not quick enough. The other thing, probably we should put a trigger warning here. This is a Fred Van Vliet game. This is maybe his best one. Um, certainly a very effective from the guard, I think we're gonna he's gonna come up quite a bit. So if that's not something you as a Bucks fan can handle just yet, just mute this and let it play. So we still get the we still get the stats. We want the we want the play. We certainly want that. But uh, you know, just don't subject yourself to it if you're not yet quite ready because just a gratuitous amount of FVV slipping wide open in this game. Yeah, I I second that. It's definitely a trigger warning for sure. Uh, okay, so, so I guess we can get into this now. Yeah, so this one, the the worst part about these games, this and, and the next one, and, and some other games in this series, I think you had already made the point in a lot of ways, this is kind of the antithesis of the Celtics series. The Bucks get off to a hot start. Giannis is really taking control. It seems like we talked about he's trying to be that tone setter. He's doing it. Um, Brooke cuts to the basket early while Giannis gets double teamed. That, that was kind of a funky play. You didn't see that very often, but it worked. And the Bucks jump out to an early lead. And it, for a second, you're like, oh, things are going pretty well. I wonder if this is going to hold yeah, up. And, they, had uh, an, they had an 18-4 to lead. It's it good. Was, it was very good. <laughs> uh, Malcolm Brogdon seemed like he was very much like ready to be starting for like a yes. while now. Uh, he was just such a steadying force in this entire game, but especially in that first quarter, getting them going. And we had an appearance from Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, this is the the very the. the I mean, I don't want to say it was like terrific, but a very good Eric Bledsoe. No, you, game. yeah, it was a very good Eric Bledsoe game. You cannot knock him really for anything no, he did. No, I mean the worst. He did lead the Bucks with four turnovers, but four isn't a ton, and he ends up putting up twenty points in this thing. And I think. With these playoff games, one thing I like to look at, it of course, never tells the whole story, but the Bucks do win Eric Bledsoe's minutes in this game by five. So in his 33 minutes, the Bucks are plus five. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty dang good game from Eric Bledsoe. Got to the foul line more than anyone but Giannis. Made more free throws than anyone. Um, good stuff from Eric Bledsoe. And yeah, he hits a, a nice mid-range jumper, I think, here in the first quarter. There's a nice, nice to see good bled in the playoffs. Yeah, he he gets nine of his twenty points in this first quarter, and really a big part of you know building that huge lead. Uh, one player we have not mentioned so far in Milwaukee side. This is this hurts both of us. Uh, Chris Middleton. Oof. What? Yeah. When I was rewatching this game, you wanna? I'm gonna tell a little story real quick. So okay. I was watching this game. Uh, you know, just you know, taking my notes and everything, and I just see like a couple like defensive mistakes by Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. Let's say a couple of them, and. As they start to build up, I eventually make the face that DeAndre Jordan makes after he sent Brandon Knight into another dimension. Uh, just <laughs> that face where he's just disgusted at every. Like, I have no idea what happened to Chris Middleton before this game. Well, just, there's you know, so many just careless mistakes. Yeah, he. Listen, there is the offensive thing, which I, you know, you pervade the box score before. Diving into the rewatch, right? At least that's what I do. So you see, I think he was what, like two for nine? Yeah, two for nine from the field, scored six points. But so I go in thinking, oh, I'm going to be so upset he didn't shoot more. And yes, I mean, he should have shot more, but he does have 10 assists, and his playmaking was actually looking really good in this game. He finds a lot of open bucks, he makes some plays that way. So it makes the, the poor shooting a little forgivable, but I could not agree more. The other end, a terrible effort from Chris Middleton. The Bucks as a whole also. But Chris, in particular, he kept slipping off of, like, Kawhi Leonard, 
which is and not just someone you can slip him off. When he gets past him. Yeah, just which is we were just destroying Nico for doing that on the last episode, and this is Chris Middle. He's a great defender. <laughs> yeah, like, I just I don't should be. I do not understand why he was having such. It was. It seemed like it was just mental errors. It does, and I do. I want to deposit this. Somebody on the TNT post game show, I think, brought this up. I was I was reading some coverage of the game as well. I wonder how much Brogdon being in the starting five again kind of threw him off a rhythm from the last few games. I, I don't want to make excuses here. I know, you know, I've, obviously we both are, especially me, very pro Chris Middleton. He was bad in this game. Like I said, ten assists, good playmaking, pretty much every other area, not nearly good enough. Not not even not even by last year's standards, which he's raised his own bar. Uh, now I think he's proven himself as a, a third team, at least all NBA guy. Last year, just an all-star guy, not quite on that level, but he did not even live up to his 2018-19 standards. He just was not good enough. But I do think there could be something to Brogdon coming in, taking and, and making a lot of shots. Good Brogdon game, but I do sure, think it yeah. did imbalance Chris a little bit on offense, but that there should be no excuse for yeah, I was, losing yeah, I was guys on say, defense. That's like offensively, that's completely understandable because a lot of the reason why we've seen such a like uh, increase in the production from Chris in the nineteen twenty season is because there was no Malcolm Brogdon and he had a bigger load to take, which he's thrived in. Um, but the defensive end, just there's no excuse. No, no. So yeah, I, that that was one of my first notes. I mean. Listen, some guys are really good at slipping out undetected. Van Vliet does it a lot in this game, although the Bucks make it very easy for him. We'll get there. But in the first quarter, Kawhi Leonard slips slips out for a three, and it's like that's not a guy you can ever lose. I mean, that's the guy. I mean, that's the guy that for the rest of this series, the Bucks are so concerned with that they leave all these other guys open. You can't let him be wide open. I think it was a corner three as well. Like, oh, it's just... One of those plays where you don't understand. Maybe it happens once on a blown coverage, but I, I agree. That's something I noticed repeatedly in this game. Chris Middleton was getting lost on defense. It was not a good effort from him. He needed to be better, and he just wasn't, at least not enough in this game. Um, I think I don't really have anything else to add in the first quarter. No, I Except do. for Nico yeah. starts yep. to get exposed. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, like I said, the Bucks had an 18-4 to lead, right? That was their biggest lead. Yes. Then in comes Nikola Mirotic. Uh, and to be fair, George Hill. Uh, yeah, poor George Hill. Very a, poor George Hill game. Uh, poor George Hill game, shoots well, not a good game overall, and he gets tagged with the worst plus minus in this thing. Yeah, I would say that he was not the worst player and uh, because, you know, he did shoot well. Uh, but yeah, in comes George Hill and Nikola Mirotic after the Bucks had built an 18-4 to lead. And then it just starts to, you know trickle away and then even once it especially takes off when Giannis checks out and Pat Connaughton comes in because that that's there was a lot of questionable rotation decisions I want to get into this a little bit later not now but there was a lot of questionable rotation decisions in this game from Mike Budenholzer and it starts early so we get this was one we this is only the first quarter and I think very early second quarter but you do you have the five-man group I do not I think it was the four reserves and, like, Chris. So I think it was George yes, Hill, yes, Pat right. Connaughton, Chris, Ursan, and, and Nico was a five-man group. And it's just, like, why? Why mm-hmm. would you ever yes. put those five guys on the floor? Uh, it was rough. It, it's exactly what you think it would be, especially, you know, you think now this year maybe, you know, Chris has been so good, but Chris was not good early. He wasn't, I think, it was both of his makes in the second half. I know at least yeah, one I think was. So. I think both were. They might have both been in the fourth quarter. So it's like that's like the he's the offensive anchor of this group with Patsy, George Hill, Ursan, and Nico, and it mm. it went as you would expect. Yeah, it was the Bucks had a nine point lead when that group happened. That group only la- didn't even last three minutes because by the time Giannis came back in, it like Toronto had already cut back into the lead. Because uh, they were just making their threes, and you know, because you, that's what you expect when you're going against an opponent's starters with your reserves in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know what else you would expect. No, yeah, I, uh, I, I also don't really get that one. I mean, this was so at the seven minute mark, the Bucks had that eighteen to four lead. We're only five minutes into this thing. 
George Hill comes in for Brogdon and Miritich enters for Brooke Lopez. I don't really know why in five minutes in that was that those were necessary changes, but immediately it goes from 18 to four to nine to 18, like you said. So uh, Giannis is hey, still when you point. take a guy out of the starting lineup because he's not performing, obviously you need to bring him <laughs> in to the game five minutes immediately in. in the middle of a huge run. Yep, you just need to bring him in. Why? You know, you already have a big lead. What else do you have to lose? I think know? it is. Oh wait, the lead. <laughs> the, oh yeah, the lead. Good, <laughs> good point. I do think this is another time to point out the Bucks bench just not what it becomes a year later. I mean, when Brogdon does move into the starting lineup, you still have George Hill, which is great. Although, again, like you said, not a terrific game from from George. You know, your next best guy on the bench is one of Pat Sear or son, and then it's the other one, and then it's Nico, and then it's Sterling Brown, who at this point was basically out of the rotation again. He plays three minutes in this thing. He, Sterling Brown with the jersey on but the sweatpants I, on. Legendary. Just iconic look. look. Iconic look. Truly right an iconic look. Um, hopefully he gets to wear the jersey without the sweatpants more and, and be on the floor in the future. But um, definitely. So should we just move right to the, the second quarter then? Do you have the, do you yeah, have the score? Yeah, in Milwaukee actually, they kept their yep. lead 32-22 because Giannis you know, came in and started just steadied the ship a little bit there well uh and you know still managed to keep a 10 point lead which is great this is what you want to see it is but i think it it didn't even really feel like that much of a win you know when you're holding the 14 point lead just a couple minutes in that basically just means you spent the rest of the quarter losing by four but yeah it it was a lead a lead is a lead is a lead you just need to lose by nine or less over the next three quarters that's it right that's not asking a ton but uh, it it was in this game. This second quarter uh, doesn't start off good. Um, I think at one point the Bucks go on a one for fourteen run from the field, and the yeah they didn't score for like five yes. minutes or something. I think it? they were solidly scoreless for three and a half, and there was I don't even know how many minutes it was that again they literally had one shot made the entire time, and somehow I don't know how this worked out, but the shot to break that cold spell was a Giannis three. That just seems. Like, such an ill-fated thing for the Bucks to be on a long cold spell and Giannis to be taking a three. I was so nervous. He was the, it was the only three of the quarter for Milwaukee. Ooh, I did not realize that one. Yeah, it was it was not great to see that. And just, again, my first note for this quarter is Middleton was all over the place and not in a good way. Mm. Uh, his first turnover, I think, was just he just threw it to Norm Powell. Oh, yeah. Like, he legit just gave it yeah. to him after he was double-teamed. Like, you know, you can't just, you know, just might as well, instead of forcing like a shot clock violation, just give it to them on a fast break, you know. Why not? Get it over with quicker, I guess. But one one player who was like a stabilizing ship, like I mentioned earlier, was Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, even though Toronto like came back and like took the lead uh, midway through the quarter, uh, Brogdon had some huge buckets to really, you know, keep Milwaukee in this, even though Toronto was looking like they were going to open this up. No, yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, so the Bucks after this scoreless run, you know, Milwaukee rallies a little bit, grabs a five-point lead uh, about halfway through the quarter, and then Nico comes in for Brook Lopez. So we should talk about very good Brook Lopez game. We talked about, was it game one, I think, that like the Brook Lopez mm-hmm. game? This was yep. a good Brook Lopez game. He did a lot on offense. He, he gets lost a couple times. I mean, he doesn't get lost. He gets shook a couple times, especially by Kawhi really late in this thing, but really big impact offensively in a game the Bucks needed it but he go he goes out for Nikola Mirotic uh, or like I said around the six minute mark in this quarter Bucks are holding a five-point lead it takes 33 seconds for Toronto to tie the game once Nico comes in and, and this was a, a rough quarter for Bledsoe on offense as well but it's just like instantaneously Toronto whether it's Pascal Siakam or Kawhi or whoever is near him is just going directly at Miritich and just getting directly to the rim so easily. And it like the lead was just gone. And the Bucks do end up, you know, kind of fighting back a bit by the end of the quarter. But it's so tough when you have a 14 point lead and it's a race. Then you get like a five point lead, it's a race. Like the Raptors would not let the Bucks extend or even hold on to a lead at this point in the game. Yeah, it was just. It seemed like every time the Bucks went on a run and, you know, managed to, like, get themselves back up, they would just, you know, fall back down again. They could not get out of their own way. No. Because, like, they clearly, because they were building these leads, they're capable of, you know, 
being the dominant force in this game. But they could only do it for certain stretches, and then you would just have players like Miritich just tear it apart. It was like it was an equal uh, negative to the Bucks' normal positive. Yeah. So in the in the first half, I would say the Nico minutes is really what gave this thing back to Toronto. In addition to some other things, the second half, I think it's a bit of a different story. I think it is more on the entire team, maybe especially a couple guys. Um, I will say there's a Pascal Siakam three at the end of the half that, I mean, every shot is big in a playoff game decided by six, really kind of closer than that. Some, some clock free throws at the end there. I mean, it was like a one possession game pretty late in this thing. And I, I'm not sure if the Bucks knew who was supposed to be covering Pascal Siakam on this three Brooke Lopez ends up closing out. And it kind of looked like that was. Like, the point was to have Brooke on Siakam from the way they, they were set up because they were so concerned with the dribble penetration from the top of the, the arc. But, like, I have no idea why Giannis would be on Serge Ibaka and why Lopez would be on Pascal Siakam. Like, there wasn't even really anything run. Giannis just shaded so far into the basket that he was basically level with Brooke Lopez and Siakam was just wide, wide open. It's just one of those things where, Why? Like why? Why would you leave a dangerous player like Siakam that wide open? It was just way too much of that happening on the Bucks side of things. They were almost never getting offense that easily. They they were getting some nice cuts, some easy looks that way. But Toronto was not making life that easy for Milwaukee at all. Yeah, that was a massive shot at the end of the court, uh, end of the half. It would instead of a six point lead, it was a three point lead. And even though you know it's just one shot, three points, but that's such a momentum killer as you go into the half because it's like if you're Toronto, it's like okay, we're only down three, and it's if you're Milwaukee, it's like wow, we've done all this when we're only up three. Like a six point lead is so much better in everyone's eyes than a three point lead because it's like multiple possessions compared to one. Right. You know, like it's just. It's the small things that sort of cost Milwaukee this entire game and I guess the series. And this is one where, and there's a couple different threes where I kind of look at it from this perspective, but again, I mean, we get to very late in this game. There are some very key possessions that would have played out differently if Toronto was only up by one possession as opposed to two or or vice versa or even closer than that. So tough stuff, tough stuff on some really bad blown coverages. The other thing I want to talk about from the second quarter um, the Bucks run where they, they just didn't do any offense. I went back and I, I looked through the play-by-play to get it right. And I think aside from two Bledsoe misses at the rim in the same possession, and Giannis somehow I think missed two dunks. The whistles were suspect in here. The Bucks took 18 free throws. Toronto took 31, whatever. But here's, mm-hmm. a, here's a reason why that can almost be a little misleading in, in how bad or good or whatever the officiating was. Aside from those four possessions I talked about, the two Bledsoe misses at the rim and the two Giannis misses at the rim, I think every single one of those misses on that one for 14 runs, so that's like nine shots, were all jumpers. The Bucks just kept bricking jumpers. They were not getting to the rim outside of three possessions. It's just like when you're on a cold spell like that, I'm convinced you know there's analytics on shots or whatever. Those are all usually in a vacuum. If you've missed as a team several jumpers in a row, I think you just need to go in and make a layup. Like, I just think you have to get to the basket. The Bucks were not capable of doing it for a lot of that run, and it helped the Raptors certainly get back into this game and, like like we said, almost have a lead at a halftime after how well the Bucks had played in short runs. It was certainly demoralizing. Yeah, the free throw disparity, was. it definitely caught my eye for obvious reasons, especially, you know, when, you know... Uh, Kawhi is just getting ticky-tack fouls on Chris Middleton, mm-hmm. and then Giannis just gets clobbered in the lane. Um, but, you know, it's fine. It happens. You know? It happens to it, some it, teams. It, it, no, it, honestly, it, you just have to expect that. Truly. At this point, if you're the Bucks, You just have to. There's no way around that, but whatever. That's not in Milwaukee's control, really. Um, it just seemed like there was a lot of just mental mistakes. That's my key from this from this series, I guess you can say from this downfall is just, there's just so many mental mistakes that were made um, on the court. And also by the commentators, Marv Albert repeatedly referring to Brooke Lopez as Robin Lopez. Oh my goodness. Uh, (laughs) uh, Even though it was a premonition. Yeah, it was, I guess, even though, you know, it, it, it'd be understandable if he did it this season, which he did, which he did a lot. 
uh, big time. Um, Which really, I mean, they don't uh, like when Robin at least has rocking the long hair. It's real easy to tell him apart when he when when the hair gets shorter. Sure, but long hair Robin Lopez. I don't when even when he had the beard. Yeah, too. like I don't know how you can mistake that guy and all that hair for anyone else in the league. Yeah, I have no idea, but. You know, that's a yikes when he's not on the team yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I would. I but yeah, would just a lot of mental mistakes all around. It just, this is what makes it so frustrating to rewatch this game. No, yeah. It's the, we, I think we've said a hundred versions of this at this point. The Raptors played well, deserve credit. The Bucks certainly made it easier for Toronto to win this. For sure. Okay. We will head to the second half in just a second. Um, what was the uh, the halftime score? Uh, the Bucks were up forty nine to forty six. Forty nine. What a game! What a, clo- what a what a low scoring game. This is like one of those last dance halftimes. I've been watching the last dance, and it's always like Jordan takes the shot with an eighty nine eighty nine tie at the end of quadruple overtime. Like, oh my god, not a lot of buckets. No one of the twos were so important. But anyway, um, speaking of other sports things with currently no nba nhl or mlb you might think there's nothing to bet on but you would be wrong our exclusive partner betonline.ag has hundreds of events games and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack they are bringing vegas directly to you are you missing the nfl that's no problem betonline.ag has live daily madden nfl 20 simulations that you can bet on you can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which is supposedly still a go. This is all open 24 hours a day and all completely online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering solution. You guys... Speaking of hot dog eating contests, are you looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line, which is extra crucial in these tough times. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com with promo code BLUEWIRE. Okay, Rohan, let's go a couple more rounds on this here podcast. What should we talk My about God. with the third quarter? <laughs> um, okay, well. <laughs> we need some levity in this episode, man. Okay. Well, it, in the third quarter, the Bucks, you know, they managed to come out hot. They once again they built a twelve point lead in this quarter. They had a twelve point lead like around seven forty to seven. go. Yep, yep, seven forty to go in the third quarter, which was great. It was good to see. It seemed like the first quarter all over again because you know they were coming out being aggressive. They were actually making their shots, not making a bunch of mistakes, and leaving Toronto with wide open jumpers and layups, which is good. And that's how you win games. Uh, so I I said this at the top. But this fell apart when George Hill came in, mm. not Nico this time. Yeah, because there was no Nico. Nico does not play in the second half or for the rest of the series. That's, you know, we got a grasp for silver linings. We are at this point done watching or talking about Nikola Miritich minutes. It's over. Yes, finally, unless he comes back from Europe. I think if he comes back from Europe, this would not be the team. That he would be eager to sign with. No, 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 no. It's if he comes back to an Eastern Conference opponent and then the Bucks cook him. Yeah, that, that would Because there's be no fun. way yeah. there's no way that the uh, Bucks are signing Nico. We gotta leave that spot open for Johnny O'Brien, man. But yes, no, have but, to. Always. Shout out to shout out to Johnny J-O-B O'Brien. The the but I'm i I'm distracting you. You were you were mentioning George Hill. 
Yes, so George Hill comes in for Brogdon once, uh, you know, the Bucks have a sizable lead. Uh, and then it all sort of falls apart. Like, they had a 12-point lead. And then and then what we said earlier happens. There's there's a little little man from Canada who looks a, a lot like Drake, who is sort of... Is he from Canada? Sort of... I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I'm Googling. Keep going. <laughs> Well, he's he, he lives in Toronto. He, does. he lives in Canada. I hope so. Otherwise, it's a long commute. He was born in Rockford. Um, that's right. I actually did know that. Rockford, Illinois. No. Okay. Well, a, ma- a little man who looks like Drake comes from Illinois <laughs> via Canada to Milwaukee, and uh, sort of goes off. You you could say he he makes as many threes in this quarter as the Bucks do, Ooh. which is you know not a good sign. Uh, three of five from three in the quarter, which you know brings Toronto back into this game. Yeah, it does. And you know, I was really excited is not the right word, but I was perversely curious to watch these Fred Van Vliet. I really need to slow down when I say his name. You cannot speed through that name. But I was really excited to watch his explosions in this series because there are a lot of people. I've said it. I know Matt Moore at HP Basketball has kind of brought it up as like a point like if Van Vliet doesn't hit whatever horrible percent from three the Bucks probably go to the finals and maybe win a championship and it's like it's a very nice and convenient thing to just say but Van Vliet was not like pulling up through double coverage and just hitting threes despite everything so uh at the Bucks are up 10 probably around seven minutes to go so they're they're down from up 12 but still up 10 still double digits Brooke Lopez is on Kawhi. This ends badly a lot later, but this time it ends badly because Bledsoe is so concerned with that mismatch. And Kawhi is driving, and and Bledsoe kind of comes up even further away from Van Vliet to help. Listen, if there's one place I want Brooke Lopez defending Kawhi Leonard, it's the paint. Like, let him take Brooke Lopez to the paint. That should be where you want him to be with Brooke Lopez on him. But Bledsoe comes up further. Van Vliet just wide open on the wing. Could not be more open. Nails the three. Then Sterling Brown leaves Van Vliet to help on a Norm Powell drive. Again, I feel like there were more than enough defenders to handle one Norm Powell who got loose off the perimeter. But Van Vliet wide open, hits it again. And then uh, later in the in this quarter... Um, the Bucks have numbers on a Raptors fast break, but this is like the mental mistakes you talk about. Ursan is the one who ends up on Van Vliet, and the rest of the team is like so focused on this. Two passes later, Kawhi gets a wide open three on the wing. Like these are the kind of plays where if you let up one of these in a crucial moment, it's like ah oh, that stinks. We really need to lock down. You cannot give up like four good threes, like open looks on three. In a tight sequence like this, when you're holding on to a lead at home in a Game 5 in a tied-up series, you just can't let Fred Van Vliet shoot four open threes in, in a crucial quarter. You can't let Kawhi shoot them. Like, you just need to have a body there. And the Bucks were unable for many reasons, and we're probably going to have to get into them and try to get into them, were unable to, to keep somebody on these guys throughout this very crucial stretch. I feel like we've said this so many yeah. times at this point but just over helping was the downfall of milwaukee yeah just like that plays into what i was saying about mental mistakes like you do not need to help in certain situations uh and just leave open shooters that's literally probably the main reason that the bucks are not nba champions right now yeah no and and it's it, frustrating because they had the athletes and the defenders like they just I'm guessing it's a little bit of both from the you know the the coaching management and the actual players out there, but it was like so weird. I don't know if they were caught up in the moment or what. The Bucks were just getting so caught up at, in the ball and in drives. Like there's, I think this quarter there's a Serge Ibaka dunk where George Hill actually does a really good job of sealing off Serge. Doesn't let him get the ball in the paint at first, and then whoever has the ball, whoever it is, like drives in just a little bit, and every Buck just like snaps to watching the ball. And Serge just leaks for, like, an easy dunk. Like, just completely is lost by the defense. It's like, you just can't let those... You can't give looks that good. I mean, the Bucks just... I don't know if they were shook by the moment. Certainly possible. You know, after they build that lead twice, the Raptors come back twice. I've, I've said this before. 
Toronto was completely unflappable. Toronto did not seem affected by anything in the slightest for this series. I mean, in crunch time, we saw this this whole playoff run. They were they were damn ready for everything. But the Bucks did not look like that, especially in this game, especially in this quarter. Yeah, that Serge Ibaka dunk actually brings up a new point. So you want to know who was guarding Serge Ibaka on that play? It was Hill, or, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know, like it was off of a switch. Uh, it was Ursan mm. who was on Serge Ibaka. You want to know why Ursan was on Serge Ibaka, Ty? Why? Because uh, the lineup on the floor as the Bucks were losing a 12-point lead in a tie game of the Eastern Conference Finals at home was George Hill, Malcolm Brogdon, Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, and Ursan Ilyasova. I just don't understand why what? you have four How bench guys. How is that lineup on the floor during this time? That's unacceptable. Four bench guys on the floor at once. Do you know how many bench guys played for the Raptors? Like three. Three? Three. Yeah. And really, it, that their, their bench minutes look bigger than they should because Danny Green started and was awful and played 15 total minutes. Danny Green, a steal and a rebound away from a 15 billion game, which is like when you don't put up any stats. Danny Green, minus 17 in his 15 minutes. Like, they overcame an absolutely terrible game from a starter. Also, Marc Gasol was pretty bad. He hits 1-3, but he's 1-6. for six. They lost his minutes, too. So, like, the Raptors weren't great in this game, aside from, obviously, Van Vliet was a terrific shooter. Kawhi was good. Lowry was quietly pretty bad in this game. He contributes a lot, but he's 4 of 11 from the field. He just makes a ton of free throws because, of course, but it's not like the Raptors just rose up and all played great. This was literally so much of the Bucks playing into their hands so often. And, you know, it's it's smart to bring up that lineup because, like, no wonder these guys who aren't playing – I mean, they're playing more than they should, but they're not playing a ton. They're not starters. They might not be in the flow of things. No wonder, like, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, and Chris Middleton aren't able to crisply manage and switch everything the ways they should. I mean, I think they make – mistakes that are inexcusable even given the 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 context but like this Raptors team it felt like was just more tight they all knew exactly what to do whereas the Bucks just didn't and yeah that's I, I have no idea why that lineup is in there in this close of a series in this pivotal moment but it's not what you want to see like I get I get why Chris wasn't there you know because he had his own lineup that we referred to early in the first quarter where he was the only starter on the floor. And that, again, did not go well. Chris, terrible game. Very bad Chris game. We've discussed this. Why Why is no Giannis or Bled in the game? Yeah. That, one of them. Just have one of your three best players on the court. Is That's not that. I don't feel like that's too much to ask for. Especially Bled going really well this game. And that was something I remember this whole season, maybe not the whole season, but a lot of this season I was caping for, is at first I kind of was focused on Stagger, Giannis, and Chris. But then, as I thought about it more, Staggering Giannis and Bledsoe, in a lot of ways, makes even more sense. Ty, we're still talking about that for this we season. We are. I mean, it's still it's still a thing that, that makes sense. I mean, like, both of the, you know, two of the worst shooters on the team, I don't want to say the two worst. I mean, Bledsoe is probably better than Robin Lopez, maybe better than a couple other guys. Um, right now, I have to really look. And Robin Lopez ended the season on a hot stretch. That's true. That, that's very true. Um, but whatever. Sorry, ended the postponed season. Yes, Not yeah, right. ended the the first part of the season. We'll say and and be generous and optimistic. But like Bledsoe and Giannis are two of the guys that other teams are going to ignore the most from the perimeter. So if you stagger those two and maximize them, getting getting both of them to operate with four true shooters around them makes a lot of sense for both guys. But I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know why they ever would have no Giannis, no Chris, no Bledsoe minutes in this entire game. I mean, I don't have an easy way to look, but I'm guessing the Raptors Especially never. Especially when they built the lead. Yeah. They had a 12-point lead in the quarter. And what are the chances there was any no Kawhi, no Lowry minutes in this game? I probably very I can well. gu- guarantee not in either of the middle two quarters because Lowry plays all of the second and all of the third yeah and Kawhi plays all of the fourth so if it happened it was around three minutes in the first quarter that was it that's the absolute most possible which is how it should be and at some point we're gonna need to have a dialogue about 
if the Bucks either can't or won't play players those kind of minutes because Milwaukee just never does that. I mean, I just looked now, looking through the quarters, like the most Giannis played in a single quarter. In the fourth, he plays 11 and a half minutes, so almost the whole thing. Before that, he plays nine minutes in the first quarter. Then he plays 10 minutes in the second quarter. And then he plays eight and a half minutes in the third quarter. And I know Giannis uses a lot of energy and everything, and, and he was some of the highest in terms of those minutes totals. I don't know why the Bucks aren't playing more minutes in these quarters. I mean, we're basically you know kind of circling around the same issue right now with these lineups. But, like, I would rather have a more fatigued Giannis or Bledsoe or Chris Middleton than Pat Connaughton and Ursan, especially. No offense to those guys, but in this series, in this moment, like, Ursan was not playable in this series. I mean, he's better than Miritich on defense by far, let's let's be honest, but he still, like, all the wings that Toronto was using, it was either a wing that he couldn't keep up with or a size that he really was not very good against. And then, of course, like, if he is on Serge Ibaka, even if the Raptors don't like that, as we saw with this Ibaka dunk on George Hill, they can just easily force a switch. Like, really, really rough stuff. Yeah, just, just, I don't know. Like, the Giannis thing, I get, kind of. Like, he does play 40 minutes. But, like, he, like, I think Bud has talked about this, or John Horst has talked, someone's talked about this. It's just, like, Giannis goes, he doesn't take a second off in his time on the court. So it's sort of like, he's going to, like, wear down and, like, break down if he plays so much. You know, especially yeah. when this isn't the this isn't the last game of the series. Well, <laughs> uh, it's it kind of becomes your last chance if you lose this game. I know, but it's like you you're still guaranteed another game. You know, yeah. you don't want to like go all out. You know, and like break Giannis, especially when you have another game. Yeah, which he only plays about a minute more in the next game. I don't know. I know. I was, it was my next point was going to be we can complain about that on the next yeah, episode. True. 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 Yeah, Giannis does play. I, I have a um, basketball ref. It's 39, point, 39 minutes, 15 seconds. But yep. like the rest of the Bucks, like, okay, Brogdon plays about 34. He's coming back from an injury. I, I kind of get that. Who knows what his exact status was. Chris, even bad Chris, just plays 36 minutes, and Bledsoe plays under 34 minutes. If I'm if I'm coaching, right, and I, I don't want to be – I don't want to be that guy. I'm not a coach. I don't know what I'm doing. But theoretically – if I see this good Bledsoe, I feel like I would want him out there a lot, especially if my alternative is four bench guys and and whichever starter. Like, just I don't know a lot of a lot of second guessing to be done after the fact, of course. But even at the time, I mean, that's just even at the time that's a lot it was of bench outrageous. guys. Yeah, I just I don't know. At the time, it was outrageous as well. Yes. But, you know, like we said. The, the Raptors do come back during those minutes, shockingly, shockingly. Where, there's, where there's only one starter, and that's Malcolm Brogdon on the floor. The uh, bigger shock, the Bucks go into the fourth quarter with a lead. Yeah, they still managed to keep it interesting. Like, they, they played this quarter even, so they took uh, they took that big lead, and then, the, then they erased their own lead by just, like, throwing the game. Um so it was a tie, like it was a tied quarter. So you're still 75-72 lead going into the fourth quarter, and it sort of falls apart. Yeah, my first note was I have no idea how the Milwaukee Bucks are leading the start of the fourth quarter. Then Kawhi falling out of, or excuse me, Giannis falling out of bounds throws it to Kawhi. Did do you remember this fast break? I do. What what was Ursan up to? <laughs> was he trying to take a charge? He might have. He just I'm not stood. Really sure. He didn't yeah. move. Mm-hmm. I think, hey, you know what? It's better than fouling. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably it is better than fouling. Um, it does lead to two points for Toronto, though. It does. But... Another one of these frustrating moments. We already talked about Chris only makes two shots in this game. They both did come in this fourth quarter. He just, like, finds Van Vliet matched up on him and, and posts him up and spins for an easy two. It just seems like that was a thing that should have happened more. For as good as Van Vliet was shooting on the other end. Like, He's still like four feet tall. Yes, like <laughs> the Bucks are tall. Like anyone on the Bucks, really, virtually Middleton anyone. can get that shot any possession he wanted. Bledsoe should be able to bully Van Vliet. Obviously Giannis, obviously the centers, like, well, there's only one real center on this team, but like I just don't understand how he wasn't made into more of a liability. 
and clearly he didn't give up that much on defense. Van Vliet ends with a game-high plus 28 uh, in 37 minutes, which is tough, which means the Raptors absolutely got smoked. Game. <laughs> absolutely got smoked in the 11 minutes he didn't play. They only win by six. So, yeah, they, they lose by 22 in the 11 not Van Vliet minutes. That's a wild Would, number. Oh, that's, that's, that's made me somehow more sad. <laughs> oh. Um. So the nine-minute mark, two-point lead for the Bucks. Uh, George Hill leaves Van Vliet alone entirely. Can you even believe that I'm still saying this at this point in the game? At this point in the series, I just after, I don't know. After I'm, the game, Van Vliet's I'm, I'm been having. It. George Hill leaves him alone to go help Chris, and I I bet you can guess what happens. Tell me, Todd, what does happen? I'm very confused. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a second line here I missed. So Chris is guarding Kawhi. Kawhi is driving. Giannis is also there. Like, Giannis is in the vicinity. You would think you'd see Chris and Giannis there and be like, listen, if there's anything else to be done, like, I, there's nothing. I can't add anything else. If Kawhi scores at that point, Kawhi scores. That's not That's not what the what not what not happens with George Hill, who leaves Van Vliet in the corner, who hits an open three. Um, Chris comes back. Great dime to Brooke Lopez, who great, great and one through Marcus Gasol. Brooke Lopez was making some GD plays in this game. Uh, Kawhi cooks Brooke Lopez twice in a row, though. Kind of, kind of comes back on him. Um, we get some turnovers. We get some more Van Vliet threes later. I mean, I just, I just don't know how this guy was ever left open after he makes like the first three huge backbreaking threes. Especially Mike Budenholzer is a guy who's coached an elite three point shooter who doesn't do a ton else before, and he now coaches him again in Kyle Korver. And he watched the Cavaliers just take that away and kind of really stall the whole Hawks offense. And obviously those Hawks teams didn't have a Kawhi Leonard, but you would think it would be as simple as like Bledsoe's whole thing is not losing guys off screens. Like just say Bledsoe, just stick to him. And I I just don't get how that wasn't a thing that happened earlier. Just anyone just stick to him, but uh, it it didn't happen. And, And those Van Vliet threes just kept happening. And again, this is not a blowout win for the Raptors. Like any one of those threes, if it's erased or even turned into a two, could have really actually swung the end of this game. But they they all go in. Yeah, that's a really good point about just like having someone like Bledsoe just putting his hip on uh, Fred VanVleet the entire game, right. especially because the Bucks were like you know they were switching uh, in this game a lot more. Yes. So you're you could just have a switch everything defense. Which, again, like you said, hurt them a little bit when you got uh, Brooke on Kawhi. Um, but if you just have switch everything except for Bledsoe, like, that's not that bad. Because that's what Bledsoe usually does anyway, is just go over screens and just, you know, stay literally, with his man. Literally his thing to get him on an all-defense team. Literally, he's the best in the league. That's what he does. The Bucks yeah. built their defense on it. And even if you want to switch everything else, and... You know, absolutely right. You know, Kawhi cooked Brook Lopez probably three times in this game. Kawhi was a plus three in his 40 minutes and change. You can live with that. And I'm sh- obviously he shares the court with Van Vliet. So literally, if you say Bledsoe covers Van Vliet for one of those threes and it, it misses and the Bucks get the rebound it, with Kawhi being out there, and that's not how any of this works, but just imagine for one second, just one of those results change and nothing else in the game does. Kawhi's a, neg- a neutral in 40 minutes. Great game. 11 for 25 from the field, 5 for 3 from deep, 8 for 9 free throws, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, just 1 turnover. 35 points. Great Kawhi Leonard game. If, and you play him neutral. If one of those Van Vliet threes had not gone in, if it had been covered and he just missed, Kawhi's minutes are a net neutral for the Bucks. Just, this, this, this is what I'm talking about when I say, and I've said this, made this point a lot, people are probably sick of it, I'm sorry, but... Like, Kawhi alone was not what did it. And I, I firmly believe that. He's a great player, absolutely terrific, killer option. But, man, oh, man, did the Bucks make it easy for him to get up to nine assists. I mean, it's literally he drives. He gets pretty weakly double teamed. I mean, they didn't really get into him on, like, the effective double team where it's really hard to pass. He just kind of sees two guys and goes, oh, where's Freddie? I know he's wide open. And more often than not, he was. The thought, no, sorry, the thought of Kawhi referring to Fred VanVleet as Freddie is very <laughs> funny to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, oh, but and he, we get we get a terrible Giannis 
uh, tunnel vision turnover in here too. He just runs right into Marcus All and and the ball bounces away and the Raptors score on the uh, on the fast break. And yet somehow this was a three point game with under a minute left. Yeah, Ty. and yeah. then Brogdon fumbles it out of bounds. Which it was maybe off uh, Siakam. It was off Brogdon. It was off him at the I'm end. I'm pretty sure. Uh, either way, I mean, it's like one of those things where could we sit here and go full conspiracy and get mad? Sure, but we've both broken down. Well, we definitely. There's plenty of reason for us to do that in this game. We're just not doing. Right, because it's like it's not like there was a clear basket interference in this play where the Raptors bench started laughing where it wasn't called. <laughs> there uh, was. Yes, there was. Um, there was an Ibaka follow, right? Yep. And the Kawhi, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, it's one of those where if the Bucks had played really well and the Raptors just made a lot of tough shots and then something like that tips it to for their favor, maybe I'm mad about it. Personally, I just have a hard time getting mad about a team not playing well and then being mad about officiating on top of it. It's very yeah, no, reminiscent of, course. Of, course. of like the Rockets memo thing. Like you missed 27 threes. Don't write a memo about how you got robbed. You missed those shots. Like, that's the way it goes. If you miss 20-some shots in a row, I think it was 27, whatever the number is, you should not expect to win the game no matter how many calls you get. And the Bucs did miss, like, a lot of jumpers in a row at some point in this game. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, there there is a way for us to go conspiracy theory, but we will stick with the – we'll stick with what actually did it and what's in Milwaukee's – Control and they they fumbled the ball. On yeah. That. So right before the the Brogdon fumble, um, Marcus All pretty illegally screens Chris Middleton. I'll say to who falls over, which lets Van Vliet hit another three, which is something where the very next play it's an alley oop. I think from Brogdon to Giannis. It is. Yep. So that would have tied it if the Raptors got a two instead of a three on that last Van Vliet make. And the thing is, like, again, you could throw up your hands and go, oh, I mean, an illegal screen doesn't get called, which they usually don't at this spot in the game. But Just ask, uh, what was, who was it, uh, where Carl Anthony Towns just steamrolled uh, someone on the Thunder when Andrew Wiggins hit that half-court buzzer beater? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, but, like, Chris was way too far in the paint to begin with. Again, just way off of Van Vliet. I just don't understand how this keeps happening, like, He's, I mean, certainly good at moving off the ball and getting open, but it's not like he was, like, running through, like, five sets of horns and elevator doors and all this other stuff. Like, he's literally just, you know, on, on the in the corner and then, like, ranges up a little bit to the wing and all of a sudden, like, he's wide open. Just way, way too easy. And if you make it easy for a good team like Toronto, they're going to beat you. It's a close game, certainly, but that makes it, honestly, even worse. Yeah, this felt a lot like game three. in the sense that this was a very close game where the Bucks sort of like had opportunities to win and didn't obviously Um, I don't know just you know very close game at the end you still had a chance to tie the game it was that that Brooke Lopez three to tie it at like was it 97 all or something oh my god one of the biggest shots like so unfortunate that the Bucks obviously lose this game and the series for a lot of reasons but that Brooke Lopez three I think would be on so many highlight reels if the Bucks had won this. I mean, Brogdon misses it from the corner. The Bucks get the rebound. Brooke takes it. You know it what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of the Jason Terry three in the other Toronto series. Oh, I was going to say the, um, God, what was the regular sh- season shot where Chris hucks it out? Or no, no, no. Uh, Zaza hucks it out to Chris. That the heat, heat buzzer baiter? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just because it goes right to him, and he just no doubt takes it and makes it. Mm, no, but it was akin to the Jet three because you know they still lost that game. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah, it was. They had come back from I think in that uh, it was Game six against Toronto. Was that the DeRozan dunk game? Yeah, DeRoz- I think because that, that was the the final game, right? They didn't take him to seven. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. DeRozan seals it with a dunk, kind of on Giannis. Yeah, I think so. One of the great forgotten DeRozan moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just yeah. It reminded me of that the yeah, Pfizer went insane uh, as they should have because that was a, that was such a big shot. I miss Brook Lopez hitting threes, man. Oh, I know, I know. Like this season was kind of kind of a little rough. 
on that end. I do like that he's, he's really working on, and it, you can see it in this game, he's really working on the, off the dribble from the art game. It, he has a really nice make around Gasol when Gasol closes out. He was comfortable going to the basket this year, and it's kind of a continuation of that. But, yeah, I, I'd be very comfortable myself if he was hitting both kind of shots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'd make the deal a little uh, – it'd make the deal much better. Yes. Uh, I forgot what was the contract. It was like four years. Yeah, I think the last one's not entirely guaranteed, though. Yeah, that's true. I just I don't know. I completely forgot that Brook Lopez signed like a four-year contract. Um, yeah, but it's one of the, this is actually something that came up in a Discord. It's four years, fifty-two. Oh no, I lied. It's fifty-two guaranteed. Never mind. Um, apparently, I really didn't think so. But I mean, when a guy is a Defensive Player of the Year nominee this year, it's still even if the shot's not going in, I have a. It's tough to criticize it too much. No, a, yeah, for sure. Especially a, when he was on the mid-level exception this yes. season uh, that we're talking about. Yes. Uh, somehow we've gotten into Brook Lopez contract <laughs> discussion. Uh, but yeah, massive three by Brook Lopez to tie the game. That didn't really end up meaning that much. And then you play the foul game and like six six points is actually like larger than it was. Yes. Because it was honestly just a three-point game. No, certainly agree. I mean, this was it was that close, and that's where that's why it really makes it that much worse. The Van Vliet hits seven damn threes in this game, seven for nine, and and I've said this before, it's an outlier shooting performance, even if they're all super wide open. You know, an average day, super wide open, he probably makes four or five out of nine. But the Bucks allowed it to be possible with just not just not containing him whatsoever, even after he got hot. So. It stinks. It's certainly, I would have loved to look back and see, you know, Bledsoe right in his grill and he makes him anyway. Like Lowry and Kawhi make some shots like that in almost every game. Somebody's closing out strong and just doesn't matter. You know, good offense beats good defense. This was offense just beating hapless defense. This was, this was not good offense beating good defense. No, not at all. It was, Milwaukee just played, played themselves. They just played themselves. Can you believe we're about to hit an hour? <laughs> oh I thought God. we were going to run out of material And I, did, I certainly didn't think I'd get mad again I thought we were done with that I thought, uh, I didn't, I thought I'm going to be completely be... honest I did not look at the time <laughs> I just looked up at it now I figured, you know, we've been talking before We've been dreading this, we're so resigned to it But, like, going through it Like, with you, I feel like Really draws the I, th- I think we kind of feed on each other's Just disgust at some of this mm-hmm. For sure <laughs> We, because we we both we both feel the pain. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know you gotta talk about your pain sometimes. This is therapy. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, in a lot of ways, a lot of things going on. I don't have any uh, any. I, I didn't put any wrap up notes, but I mean we talked about it already. This was a game you just can't lose. Now you're down three to two. You need to win both games, and of course you need to go into Toronto to win Game Six, which. You know, the Raptors might lose almost every game one at home whenever they get them, but they, uh, this team was not known for losing late series games at home. No, especially like when you're the Bucks and you won on your home court uh, and you've just, you've had two of those losses just be absolutely heartbreaking close game losses where you could have done something. Just like little things cost you the entire game and the entire series. But I guess we'll get into that next episode, unless you have anything else you need to add. I don't, the one thing I, I I'm pretty sure we can we can say this without looking into it too much. No team has ever come back after losing three in a row at any point in a playoff series, right? Because the only three one comebacks there were only like the two. It was OKC. No, there's been more. That was the only one in finals history. I'm pretty sure. Oh, because I know that one in 2016, two happened in the same playoffs. I thought that OKC one was the first. What? Whatever. It, if it has happened before, it's certainly not usual. No, not. It's very difficult. Uh, but yeah, once you've had to, once you've dropped three in a row, it's hard to like you know go and win two in a row when you're on facing elimination yeah i mean obviously the ideal time to do it is after you've already won a few well i guess i i, I shouldn't say that because i'm sure a team has gone up 3-0 then lost three then won especially with some of the weird ways yeah they've game sevens have been forced after being down 3-0 yeah so it's happened but certainly not ideal and you never want to be down 3-2 
was that even was that necessary to say? Probably not. You obviously never want to be down three <laughs> two uh, at any point, especially going on the road. But that is where our Bucks find themselves. No, that that's all I've got. Now I've thoroughly confused myself and <laughs> probably probably uh, said some history that's not quite true. So that's that's my cue to stop. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. We we love you, Adi Wintai. Um, but I get yeah. I don't have anything else to say on this on this game either, which just end the end the sadness. So uh, I guess we'd like to thank you for enduring our pain here on this episode of Binge the Bucks on the Eurostep Podcast. If you uh, enjoyed this conversation and enjoyed Ty and I just losing our minds, uh, please do leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you tell your family and friends about the show. Uh, make sure you check out all of the good content being put out across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And please stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next time.